Hosea chapter 6, and we're going to look at uh, verses uh, 5 through 11, or is it verses 6 through 11, excuse me. So how's everyone tonight? We're a little bit down, but we're not down in spirit. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for being so faithful. And that's going to be part of our lesson tonight. Hosea chapter 6, beginning with verse number 6, the Lord uh, says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. They, or pardon me, have they dealt treacherously against me? Gilead is a city of them that work iniquity and is polluted with blood. And as troops of robbers wait for a man, so the company of priests murder in the way by consent, for they commit lewdness. I've seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is the whoredom of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Also, old Judah, he hath set and harvest for thee when I return that captivity of my people. Heavenly Father, bless our time together in Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. So here we go. Last time we met, we talked about Israel's resolution. To return to God. They said, God, we're going to return to you. And you ought to be happy about it. Um, But we're not going to repent. We're going to keep doing what we're going to do. But we're going to show up on Sunday morning. And uh, if you really bless us, we might even pop in once in a while. uh, Maybe on a Sunday night. And uh, we might even reach into our pockets and, and throw a little money your way. And the Lord says, that's not repentance. Uh, Why, you're insulting me with that kind of attitude. He says, uh, your profession and your promises of repentance is a frustration to me. You start off with all these promises and you like the morning dew, you like the morning clouds, they just soon dissipate. And uh, you show up, but uh, nothing happens. There's no repentance. There's, there's no salt. Uh, there's no savor. You're just simply nothing more than a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. And I'm frustrated with your lack of commitment. And so now he moves on. And... Um, As we see from this lesson, he makes it very clear uh, that he is frustrated in their behavior because of the violations that they've committed. And he likens them unto all men. He says, you don't act like Christians. You you don't act like my chosen people. You act like, uh, like Adam's family. You're not... Sons of God, you're sons of Adam. 
You live like the lost people. Your character is no different than the lost. And uh, your sacrifices are not accepted because there's no mercy, there's no knowledge in it. So that's where we begin in verse number 6. He says, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. See, at this time, Israel was very good about bringing God offerings. And there are people today, they think, well, you know, as long as I show up on Sunday morning, put something in the plate, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I give. <laughs> and then some people show up Sunday morning, they don't give anything. But <clears throat> God's not happy with either one. God wants your heart. That's what he wants more than anything. And if he has your heart, then he has faithfulness. I want you to notice here, he said, as we saw a couple weeks ago in chapter 5, verse number 6, he says, they go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they shall not find him, for he hath withdrawn himself from them. You know, we have lots of churches like that today. They come with their offerings. They come with their worship. But their hearts are far from the Lord. And therefore, the Lord has withdrawn himself from them. And God has made that very clear as we find in the church of the Laodiceans. He has withdrawn himself to the place to where he's no longer in the church house. But he's outside the church house knocking at the door. And then we find something interesting here. God uh, makes it very clear that if they would show mercy and knowledge, for that's what he wants. Uh, again, he says in verse number six, I desire. He not only wants it, he desires it. You know, and God's immutable. He changes not. He's still the same God that he was yesterday. He's that same God today. Uh, and the Lord still desires mercy and knowledge. But the question is, well, what does he mean by mercy? What does he mean by knowledge? Well, we have to look to the words of Jesus Christ to find out what he meant. Jesus gives us the answer. Because, see, they had not found it <clears throat> for 400 years. They were still looking for it. And finally, Jesus comes along, and there he is. He is mercy. He is knowledge. But they would not repent and turn to him. They would not be faithful to him. And so Jesus, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, beginning with verse number 9, as we read down to verse number 13, Jesus passed forth from thence, and he saw a man. The man that he saw was named Matthew, sitting at the receipt of customs. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. 
Now when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now, pay attention to what he says in verse number 13. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's what it means. Now, if you look over at uh, chapter 12, he gives us a, another little different twist on this understanding. Notice in chapter 12 and verse number 1, at the time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was in a hungered, and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God? And did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you, that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. You see, <clears throat> we can be very critical and pharisaical. We can look at someone's religiosity and say, well, there's a man of God. And there's someone that loves Jesus. But in that person's heart is darkness full of bitterness and a reproach to God because he's not willing to deal with his bias and with his bitterness and with his critical spirit of judging others. Where the Lord <clears throat> makes it very clear that we need to get our eyes off from religion. We need to get our eyes on Jesus. Because that's where mercy and that's where truth lies. And we need to be faithful unto him. And so the Lord is telling uh, these rebellious children that you're not faithful to me. If you were faithful to me, you would repent of what you're doing. You would stop the idolatry. You would stop with your deceptions and with your fornication and your immorality and your ungodliness, with your hate and your bitterness and your bloodshed. And Israel was a horrible testimony to the nations that were around them. 
And the Lord was calling upon them to repent. But it's hard to repent when our hearts are far from the Lord. When our hearts are filled with the mercy of God. And we understand how dark and how deceived our hearts are. And we lift up our hearts to the Lord and we ask God to give to us repentance. And God begins to work in our hearts and through, through a broken and contrite spirit, then we find repentance. Then we learn of the knowledge of God. We find there in Jeremiah 29 and verse number 13 that ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search with me with all your heart. Well, that takes some doings to search for the Lord with all of our heart. That means that we've got to somehow arrest ourselves and completely, totally submit ourselves over to the Lord. As we saw in Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6, they had rejected the Lord, and by rejecting Him, they had rejected His knowledge. And in Hosea chapter 4, verse number 6, He declared, My people are destroyed. Why? They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because... Thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee. For that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. Where does knowledge come from? It comes from the word of God. We have to be willing to submit to it. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's important that we spend time in God's Word. And then when God speaks to us through His Word, it's important that we not be forgetful hearers of what He says. And that when we look into the mirror of God's Word, and He begins to, through His Word, uh, give a reflection of our defilement, revealing the darkness and the coldness of our hearts, and uh, if we uh, simply close the book and forget to do what God has reminded us to do, uh, then there's nothing more God can do with us. God wants to see repentance. God wants to get a hold of our hearts. And God wants to deal with us. But we have to acknowledge that we have a problem. So that takes us to verse number 7. Notice there in verse number 7, but they like men have transgressed the covenant. There have they dealt treacherously against me. Well, what does that mean, they like men have transgressed the covenant? Well, it means that they're acting just like the lost. They like men are like Adam. They, like men, is in reference to those who are fallen, those that have an Adamic nature, the covenant of God's law. Makes it very clear 
in Exodus 34 and verse number 7. As the, as the Lord spoke unto Moses, and as Moses spoke, he took the book of the covenant and he read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord hath said, we will do and be obedient. But were they? No. And they were not able to keep one of God's Ten Commandments. And they were guilty of breaking every one of them. You see, when we get to that place to where we think we're okay, when we get to that place to where we think that, hey, I'm better than you. You know, look at you, you're a sinner, you fairies. You publicans, you sinners. I don't want to be around you people. Why are we letting these people come into our church? They're only going to influence other people. Uh, we need to be careful. I, I don't like this. You know, we get that hypocritical, pharisaical attitude. Well, you know, you know better than the rest of the world. You see, lost people usually like to hide behind something bigger than they are. But there's no place to hide. You know, the one thing you have to do with a lost person, you have to convince him that he's lost. You have to convince him that he's a sinner. You know, when you get to the place to where you no longer believe that you're a sinner and you think that you're a little better than everyone else, then you're right there where Israel was at. And you find yourself living a life that's an atrocity toward the Lord. You're committing sins that you do not realize that are bigger than the sins of this world. And the hip hypocrisy, the feigned, the facade that goes up enrages God and God saw it and God wasn't happy and we begin to justify our actions we begin to justify our behavior the word of God makes it very clear that we're all guilty before God the Bible says he that thinketh he standeth well he's simply going to fall the Bible makes it very clear that we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sins. But if we have said in our hearts that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. The Bible says, but if we confess our sins, then he is faithful and true to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, then we're liars. Or we want to make God a liar because God makes it very clear all have sinned. There's the difference between a saved sinner and a lost sinner. The difference is he's a sinner, but he's saved. And the lost person is still a sinner, but he's not saved. And the only thing that is different about us is we acknowledge that, oh my goodness, I need help. 
Every day I need to draw close to the Lord. Every day there's something that pops up in my life that I need to be reminded of and I need to repent of. And that kind of humility and that humbleness will keep our hearts right with the Lord. And as we grow in the Lord, we see ourselves bigger sinners than we did before we were even saved. The Apostle Paul, before he was saved, saw himself righteous. But as he began to grow in the Lord as a saved person, he saw himself as the chief of sinners. He said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the curse of the body of this sinful flesh? When we get to that place to where we will, you know, I don't sin, I don't do that, I'm not like those people. Oh, that's kind of pride and arrogance that will bring you down. We want to be careful that we don't go there. In Romans chapter 3, in verse number 19 through 20, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. I'm reminded every day how much I need God's grace. But you see, somehow they got to that place to where they could no longer see that. They saw themselves, even though they were polluted with the blood of others, even though their hearts were defiled and wicked, they saw themselves righteous. You see, that's what religiosity does. You go back during church history and you see the crusaders out there, you know, uh, thinking that they were so righteous, arresting those that were not following the religiosity of the state church. And then you see the priest and you see uh, the various leaders within the papacy condemning those people because they weren't righteous, because they were unholy, because uh, they were not following their creed and their traditions and their religion and they were put in bonds and they were burned at the stake and they thought that that was okay. That was a righteous thing to do. That's religion. Amen. And that's what was going on in Israel. We read in verses 8 through 10, Gilead is a city of them that worketh iniquity. And is polluted with blood. And as the troops of robbers wait for a man, so the company of priests murder in the way by consent, for they commit lewdness. The Lord says, I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is whoredom of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. In Hosea chapter 12, verse number 11, he sums it up this way. Is there iniquity in Gilead? Surely they are vanity. Wow, what a condemnation. The wickedness of the people. Now, if you know anything about Gilead, 
That was a portion of land that was given unto the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh and of Ephraim on the other side of Jordan on the east side. And in some of those cities, the Levites were given, since they weren't allowed to have a portion of the territory, they were given certain cities that they were allowed to live in there on the other side of the Jordan called Gilead. And the Gilead that God was in reference to was Ramoth Gilead. Now Ramoth Gilead, as we understand in Judges or Joshua 21 and Joshua 22, was a city of refuge. And it was there at that city of refuge, as we understand, there was given cities of refuge. There was a total, if I remember correctly, of seven cities of refuge that were scattered throughout the land of Israel and Judah. To where if someone committed a act that was an accident, and uh, the family members, because they sought for revenge because of what they considered to be manslaughter, to take the life of that person, an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, uh, that person was allowed to go into that city of refuge, and as long as the priest was alive, he could stay there and he could be protected. You see, we have a city of refuge, and our priest never dies, the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh yeah, there are people that want to kill us. But, you know, we are protected there. But what these priests were doing, if you were poor, they were putting a price on your protection. And if you couldn't pay the price, you were turned over to the avenger. And you were murdered and you were killed. They were letting it happen. And if you had lots of money, it didn't matter if it was manslaughter or if it was just cold-blooded murder. If you made it to the city of refuge and you had enough money, they would protect you and they would care for you. And the Lord says, you're polluted. You're filled with blood and you're filled with wickedness. The Lord was angry at what he had seen. But what made this even worse is they were sacrificing. Not only unto the Lord, but unto whatever pagan god the peoples wanted to worship. It could be Moloch, it could be Asheroth, it could be Baal. And the surrounding nations, because they were on the other side of the Jordan, they were watching what they were doing. That's why we see where the Lord, I believe it was found in Ezekiel, where he asked, what if other nations have forsaken their God? But you have forsaken the true and living God. And you are hewing out cisterns that have hold no water. You see, the rest of the nations were watching and they were shaking their heads. What a horrible testimony. 
And God says, you know, I can't stand by and watch this any longer. Oh, we see it going on today and with so many. And just allow everything to go on. Priests and well, you know, for money, I don't care if you're same sex. You know, I need your I need your your offerings. I need your money. I want the church to continue to grow. There are more people out there that stand with with the liberals and with the lost and and therefore since you know I gotta survive and we gotta see growth. Oh, they're willing to compromise. You see what's going on today, and the Lord is sick about it. And God says, I see what's going on in Ephraim, I see what's going on in Israel, and it's not going to go by unpunished. And I want you to know something. Notice he says in verse number 11, he says, but I've been watching you as well, Judah. Remember, this is a nation that is now divided, and you have uh, the northern tribes, and then you have the southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And they were 130 years away from going into captivity. As Israel and Ephraim eventually were carried off into Assyrian captivity, God made promise, Judah, it's going to happen to you too. And 130 years later, it did happen. You see, God's word is not mocked. And what God said then, he means today. You see, this is not written for a history lesson. It's written for our admonition and for our learning. The Bible makes it very clear that the word of God does not return void. And God made it very clear that out of his righteousness he will judge, but out of his mercy he will forgive. But not in their time but in a latter time. Well, we see what's going on in the world today, and uh, God is not going to wink his eye at that. God is very angry. Some of the crazy, unheard of things that are happening today. As <clears throat> most of you probably know, we have a new Supreme Court justice, and, and I'm happy for her. I think that's a great honor and a great position. She was asked a question, what is a woman? You know what her answer was? I'm not a biologist. You have to be a biologist to know what genders are. Isn't that crazy? I'm not a biologist. And these are the people that's sitting on the courts of justice that are going to be making decisions concerning our Constitution. This is how crazy and how mixed up the world has got. She knows what a woman is. She is a woman. She is a mother. She has children. She has a fallopian tube. She has a uterus. She has ovaries. Men don't have those things. <laughs> but you have to be a biologist to understand that today. Now, that's how crazy this world has become. Amen. We're living in the last days. 
And what God sees in the blood that is shed, the polluted blood of unborn babies, the shedding of innocent blood that's taken place around the world, all in the name of religion. Wow. The Lord is coming soon. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. I ask that you would just speak to our hearts. Thank you that we have a Savior that loves us, and that came into a sin-cursed world, that we may, through him, learn what mercy is all about, that we, through him, would understand what the true sacrifice is, that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, went to a cross, that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again, and that we might have eternal life. Lord, if there's anyone here tonight that would think of themselves as okay and without sin, remind them that we all have sinned and that we fall short of your glory. That our wages for the sins we have committed is death. But you have a gift that you want to offer us, and that's eternal life. Lord, if there's anyone listening to the sound of my voice through live stream or whatever, Lord, we pray that they would open their heart and they would receive Jesus. For we know that it's not through our righteousness, and it's not through our goodness, and it's not through us keeping the law. For we will only fail, for all of sin comes short of your glory. But it's only through you that we can be assured that we have a standing with you. And so we ask if there's someone under the sound of my voice that has not opened their heart and received you as Savior, that they would receive you right now. I'm going to ask with heads bowed if you're watching by live stream or if you're here tonight, and you have not received Jesus Christ into your heart. He is the answer. Jesus Christ made it very clear when he said in his precious word, that if we want mercy and if we want life, it can only be through him. It can only be when sinners come to repentance. That repentance means that we turn to him. And when we turn to him, there is mercy and there is forgiveness. If you're here tonight and you're troubled about where you're going to spend eternity... Ask Jesus to be your Savior. If you're watching by live stream, just simply ask Jesus to be your Savior, and He will save you. You can pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart to forgive me of my sins and to give me a home in heaven. I pray that you will come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Will you pray that prayer right now? I wonder tonight, is there anyone here with heads bowed? I'll not publicly point you out. I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but 
If you prayed that prayer just now, I would like to know. Is there anyone like that? Just lift up your hand. Yes, preacher, I prayed that prayer just now. Anyone? Anyone? If you're watching by live stream, anyone out there, let us know. We'd like to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people 